0: This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world, and today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig.
1: Good morning. How are you doing?
0: Very good, thanks. We've had the latest UK inflation figures out today, and prices continue to rise at their fastest rate for more than 40 years, mainly driven by higher petrol and food costs, the number, well, it's jumped to 9.4% in the 12 months to June, up from 9.1% in May. How did markets look at those figures?
1: Yeah, it's not just the weather here that's scorching, right? This inflation data is uh, red hot. It's not, what, is it, 9.4% uh, and getting closer now to what the Bank of England is expecting with double-digit inflation, actually above 11% inflation later on this year when we see the energy price cap rise again. Uh, the core reading wasn't so bad, so I think that's uh, that, that. I think that's probably one slightly positive takeaway. Maybe um, it doesn't really change anything, to be honest. I, I don't think, and in fact, the pound actually fell in the aftermath of the data because it really because of that headline number. It was seen that the Bank of England is probably going to have a little bit more pressure to rise, uh, raise rates more aggressively. Uh, so the actual the odds of a a rate a fifty basis point rate hike rather than twenty five, which is what we've seen since the end of last year from the Bank of England, the odds of fifty rose from around ninety one percent to around ninety four percent in the aftermath of that. So still basically nailed on. Even though interestingly Andrew Bailey yesterday was at pains to to suggest that the markets may be thinking this is set in stone but it's very much not set in stone you're saying it's never set in stone this is what the discussions at the policy meeting are all about and while it's very much up for consideration the, there's there's still a decision to be made markets very much disagree in fact markets don't just disagree about this one markets have priced in a 94 percent chance of a 50 basis point rate hike in, in, in next week they've got uh, a a a the strong likelihood of a 50 basis point rate hike then again at the next meeting and a very strong chance of a 50 basis point rate hike at the meeting after that taking interest rates to around 3% uh, by the end of the year so markets are very much ahead of the curve compared to where the central bank is willing to accept it's at but then the central bank is also working on the premise that we're going to see a recession later on this year uh, and perhaps that energy prices are uh, at least oil prices, for example make potentially pull back a little bit uh, and a combination of factors may do part of their job ultimately for them so all considered the fact that the pound pull back i think is the key takeaway and all it's not necessarily as the dollar it actually moved a little bit higher against the dollar but against the euro and uh, and a few other currencies we actually saw it edge lower and the the, the, the reason for that was uh, quite simple really it was the fact that every extra rate hike in the uk is seen as deepening a recession whereas in ordinary times when you've got a red hot economy uh, and you start seeing more inflation as a result of that rate hikes are seen as being positive for the currency because the economy is seen as to be able to sustain uh such a, a rate t- a, a tightening cycle that's very much not the case here in the uk any extra rate hike just adds to the pain that the economy is going to feel regardless so that's why we saw the pound actually drop, even though um, rate hike expectations increased.
0: And uh, you mentioned the uh, petrol prices, uh, petrol and diesel, possibly f- you know having an effect on future inflation rates. Could we see a lower rate when the July figures come out?
1: Yeah, July or August, you would expect we may see... Uh, a lower rate probably not july so much actually because now what's the 20th of july today and the petrol prices haven't really started coming down uh yet so i think probably more likely to be august september time when we'll start to see a little bit lower rate of inflation but we've got to remember as well that petrol prices aren't going to fall that considerably they're still going to be well above where they were prior to the invasion of ukraine we're still we may see them drop 10 15 pence a litre but when we're dropping from 190 195 a litre down to 180 it's nothing to write home about it's still going to cost around it's still going to cost for many people around 100 quid to fill your tank so i mean that this compared to last year there's still going to be a lot of inflationary pressure coming from that petrol price but it may take some of the edge off of it um and uh, if it's seen as a sustainable move which again i'm not convinced about then we that could potentially um remove some of that uh, headline peak but that comes back to what i was just saying about the sustainability of these oil prices so a barrel of brent crude is currently trading at 106. Uh, wti is around 103. the question is can this be sustained and well what's driving it Well, it's being driven really the move lower by the prospect of recession it's not being driven by higher output in fact we saw president biden's trip at the weekend seemingly very unsuccessful uh, mbs got his fish pump got the photo op uh, got his face-to-face meeting and then the noises which come out since suggest that the US kind of walked away empty-handed. Now, we'll see how much of that is true uh, when we get the next OPEC meeting in a, co- in a couple of weeks' time. But in terms of where the oil prices are now, recession is the only big downside risk as far as these oil prices are concerned. This is still an extremely tight market. And therefore, I think there's a lot of people are looking at the oil price now around $100 a barrel and saying there's probably more upside risk than there is downside. So even if we do see, which is the point I'm trying to make, even if we do see some downside pressure on oil on price at the pump in the short term, do not be surprised if we see that reverse course and many of these petrol stations finally uh, break £2 a litre.
0: Staying with energy, Craig, let's talk about Nord Stream 1. What is happening there? It's been closed uh, for the last few days, but there is a chance that it might be reopening.
1: So it's been closed for a scheduled maintenance. So this is something that's been planned for a long time. It's something that happens on an annual basis. It was a 10 day maintenance period. The fear was that it seems um, uh, this year that there's uh, almost any any opportunity to kind of reduce flows to Europe seems to be capitalized upon um, as long as there's a suitable excuse. and. We've seen it, for example, with the return of a, a part to Canada, uh, and the issues that the were with returning that uh, that part um, because of the uh, sanctions that are currently in place. Now you could say, well, that's a that is a suitable excuse. That is a good reason why the part of the pipeline maybe maybe wasn't functioning as well as uh, as planned and as well as it normally would. And I think flows running around forty percent to Germany as a result of that. Where the excuse kind of loses some of its substance is that there was alternative ways to get gas to germany there was alternative pipelines alternative routes that russia rejected and gazprom rejected and therefore people are naturally this with a, a healthy dose of skepticism now when these flows were reduced over the course of last month and earlier this week gazprom um, wrote to uh, a number of these companies um using the force majeure clause uh saying that events outside of their control were the reason behind it but effectively it's kind of just a legal argument to say it's not our fault even though there was alternatives that could have been utilized um then all of a sudden there's a lot of speculation that hold on we've been concerned for some time that gazprom could use uh the uh, 10-day maintenance period as a means of reducing flows to Europe uh on, on a long term basis citing anything from prolonged issues to parts not being returned and we were going to find out this Thursday whether that's going to be the case. Now the noises, yes, they suggested actually these the the pipeline is going to restart as planned and that flows will continue to return to Europe. But in terms of the scale with which that's going to happen, that's still going to be that's still very much up in the air. So there is still a lot of anxiety around what that will be. Putin again yesterday suggesting kind of dropping hints that it may not be uh, fully operational. But again, we'll see on Thursday. And we'll see what happens now over the week's head. In terms of why this is important, well, it's important because we need gas, we need energy, but also it's important because European stocks have run at around 60% now, and they need to get more towards 80-90% going into that winter period, because what typically happens um, in the gas market is these companies will fill their storage uh, over the course of the warmer summer months when people aren't using heating, and then draw down on it over the winter, and that's kind of the cycle that happens but because of various disruptions filling those storage uh, has been much harder uh, we saw that they were already low last winter and now the fear is that this winter storage will be well below where they would want it to be which means which kind of gives Russia the upper hand so all of a sudden Europe is very vulnerable to Russia shutting off the gas and um, leaving it in deep bother uh, and that's the fears that has been emanating around Europe for the last 12 months and is going to become increasingly heightened now over the months ahead. Step one towards alleviating that is the pipeline resuming on Thursday as planned. And after that, it's all about volume.
0: Let's move on to Netflix, Craig. And it has lost almost 1 million subscribers between April and July as a number of people quitting the service Accelerates, but that was not as many as the streaming giant had feared, was it?
1: It wasn't. I mean, that's it's an interesting thing, right? A a platform that for so many years has seen extraordinary growth uh, in terms of share price and users, and uh, the share price has moved in line with. With the number of users on the platform and the growth that we've seen there and the expectation of how much it can continue to grow in the years ahead And now you've got investors celebrating the fact that they've only lost a million subscribers In terms of why they've only lost them why they've lost a million I mean there's a number of reasons one is the extraordinary growth we saw during the pandemic people aren't locked up at home anymore So people don't need streaming services quite as much as they did the other thing is um the other thing is that there's so much competition now. Netflix were the first streaming service; they were the first one that people had, and they kind of set the bar for where other companies need to be. And for a long time, it felt like they've been very much ahead of everyone else. But others have played catch up and spent billions on playing catch up in that process. Whether that's Apple, whether that's Disney Plus, whether that's Amazon Prime, the list goes on. There's now so much competition, and the problem with it, the problem from a from a shareholder perspective, is that it's very easy to unsubscribe to these services and move on to another if the content uh, isn't continuing to pull you in. You need to continue to have hit after hit after hit. The good thing for Netflix is, and that's why I think the number of subscribers fell by less than people were expecting, is Stranger Things. So this is the hit show that uh, the series 4 has has kind of kept people engaged, and the result has been fewer people unsubscribing. So they need to continue to find these big hits after big hits after big hits to continue to uh, maintain and even uh, grow their subscribers but that's obviously easier said than done when others are spending billions on their content as well the other difficulty that they have is there is a cost of living crisis i'm not sure if uh, if you've heard uh, and when there is a cost of living crisis if people are having to cut back on their spending and they're looking at as to where they can cut back on their spending then unfortunately for companies like netflix that it's kind of an easy pick it's easy to pull back on those streaming services where you're not locked into a contract and you can just Cancel your subscription and immediately save, however much um, every single month. So they're always going to be vulnerable to that uh, that kind of that kind of shift uh, and that that kind of decision making. They also have other issues that they need to overcome with regards to multiple users within and outside of households. Other people using your password and logging and onto the same service rather than paying twice. So they have another a number of issues to overcome. Um, but. The fact that Stranger Things kind of save them this time, they need to, the most important thing for them is they need to continue to push out more and more and more content in order to keep people engaged. And then it's also about how do they expand their offering? How do they continue to draw people in more? Is it, can they rely purely on video streaming? Can they rely purely on continuing to knock out these big, big winners uh, in order to keep people engaged? Or do they need to expand? This is where the deal with Microsoft and gaming comes into it. But also you look at someone like amazon prime they offer so many different things in order to try and keep people engaged it's not just about the 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 uh, prime video it's also about the the shopping service deliveries and, and everything else that comes within it all within this one offering and now football uh, of course with amazon prime at times as well netflix needs i think to diversify uh, in, in terms of its offering in, in order to try and keep people engaged and to draw bigger crowds and it has a massive task on it on its hand i think people are going to be really keenly watching uh, netflix now over the coming years because the fear is that they've kind of set the bar really high but others are playing catch up much faster and they are struggling as a result ultimately
0: okay craig thanks very much for joining us this morning we'll talk to you again soon thank you this is the oanda podcast